0: All the episodes you will hear on this podcast are the audio versions of the video content on the Great Light Studios YouTube channel. If you would like to watch the video version of this episode, you can find a link in the show notes. So you've probably noticed that there are a lot of Calvinism-related episodes both on the podcast and the YouTube channel if you follow me over there. I've already talked about this a bit, but I just wanna let people know that this is a very important topic to me. This is something that I think has huge implications in how we understand the character of God and then how we live our lives out before him. I do not think Calvinists are evil people. I do not claim that Calvinists are heretics or that they're unsaved or anything like that. I try to steer completely clear of useless, angry, Rhetoric like that. I want to offer what I hope to be a respectful, rational, and biblical response and critique to the various doctrinal positions within Calvinism that I think are both wrong and unbiblical, and in some cases, damaging to people both emotionally and spiritually. And so, for this season at least, This is something that is very important to me and so it will likely be the majority of the content I put out for a while will be providing responses and just thoughts that I have concerning this specific uh, theological system. And so if that's something that you're interested in, I think you might be able to learn something and hopefully at least come to understand uh, the perspective that I have on different passages like Romans 9. John 6, Ephesians 1. If you're a Calvinist, I would just invite you to at least give me a fair hearing, listen to the things I say. I'm sure you will not agree with some of it, if not most of it, but I hope that you will at least be willing to listen to what I say before you make conclusions. So with all that said, thank you for listening, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. My name is Jordan Hatfield. Great Light Studios is a platform where I seek to help people encounter in the scriptures the God of peace, life, and light, who I think is often concealed by flawed doctrines, theological systems, and just general misunderstandings of biblical texts. I attempt to offer critiques and corrections to what I consider to be harmful theological systems, doctrines, or organizations, and to provide resources for those who have been negatively impacted by them, hopefully helping them to see that it is possible to realize the Bible and the God who is revealed in it in a whole new way. And I want this to be a place where people learn that it is okay for followers of Jesus to ask hard questions. To wrestle and struggle with different biblical passages and concepts. It's okay even to be a Christian while having doubts and unanswered questions, and I hope to help people realize that it is possible to lovingly and respectfully hold differing opinions and theological views from others without perceiving them as enemies. If we think that we can provide the decisive power in the moment of our conversion, if we think that we can provide the decisive power in the moment of our conversion to pass out of spiritual death that cannot please God into spiritual life that sees and treasures Christ in faith, we simply do not yet have a right view of the power and depth and horror of our own sinful depravity. One of the common objections I've been getting on some of my recent videos on Calvinism has to do with faith and this idea that if I'm saying that we must choose to believe, isn't that implying that we are somehow participating in saving ourselves or something to that effect? And so that's a common objection that comes from Calvinists to many of the things I'm saying. And and so I was writing out some responses to some of those comments and realized that this is something that I should probably just start covering in, in a couple videos. And so what I'm going to do is basically I'm going to read you the response that I shared with one particular person who commented on one of my videos And this turned into, uh, my comment response basically turned into a a small article. And so I figured that rather than just shooting from the cuff and trying to re-say all these things in a video, I just read through it and that way hopefully some of my thoughts about this can be clearly uh, articulated. I think that this is one of the biggest misunderstandings underlying Calvinism, this idea of faith. And what it is. And so, again, this is something I'm, I'm, you know, deserves more than just one video, but I hope that this kind of gives you at least a little bit of an introduction about how I think about faith, where I'm coming from, and how I would begin to respond to the Calvinist accusation that, you know, hey, basically if you're non Calvinist if you think man's choice to believe was involved at all then then you're basically uh, setting up a works based uh, system of salvation or something to that effect so I'm gonna read through this uh, and I do I do plan to make more videos on this because there's even though this was quite a long response I have a lot more I want to say about this I'll probably do a full video just on the idea of Lazarus you know that's a common uh, supposed analogy to salvation that um, Cal Calvinists use. And so there's a lot of things like that, that this won't cover concerning this whole uh, topic of faith. But, But once again, hopefully this gives you at least a bit of an idea of where I'm coming from. So the objection from the Calvinist goes something like this. But if you are saying we believe, then aren't you making faith into a work so that we are participating in our salvation? So that part of that was actually part of the actual question that I was asked. If I'm saying we must believe, then isn't aren't aren't I turning faith into a work? That was one of the questions that I was presented with in a comment. So to that, here's here's kind of how I'd re, I would respond to that uh, line of reasoning. To ask the question, isn't that making faith a work? Demonstrates what I think is a fundamental misunderstanding of the way the Bible describes the nature of faith as being something that is directly contrasted consistently with works. So Romans 3.27, Paul says, Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. So it's as if Paul says the very nature of what faith is, should be understood as directly opposite of works. In other words, if a person has faith, then what they are doing is not working. So again, Romans 3.27, our boasting is excluded. How, how is boasting excluded in the whole you know arena of the gospel and salvation? What excludes us being able to boast that we played a part in saving ourselves? It's Paul says, It's the law of faith. It's the fact that it is on the basis of faith that God saves us. That is what excludes our ability to boast. So right here, we're seeing that there is something within the very nature of what faith is, that it is one, diametrically opposed to what works are, and two, whatever faith is, it excludes our ability to boast that we helped God save ourselves. So in Paul's mind, Paul would say, if a person works, then they have reason to boast. But if a person only believes, then they have no reason to boast. Calvinism would say, if a person works, they have reason to boast. And if a person believes, they have reason to boast because faith is basically a good work. So I honestly don't know how the concept of faith could possibly be more misunderstood and turned upside down. Because you have Paul saying that whatever faith is, the nature of faith is such that it excludes our ability, our opportunity to boast before God. Calvinism says, no, non-Calvinist, if you're saying that faith is something you do, well, faith is something good, it's something righteous, therefore, it's something you can boast about. So, is having faith saving ourselves? The Calvinist objection that if a person believes, then they are somehow contributing to their salvation or doing a good work is simply an objection that the Bible doesn't afford. The Bible is perfectly comfortable with clearly stating that God requires people to choose to believe because that belief is not itself anything that merits or earns salvation. If the Bible is comfortable with this notion, then why is the Calvinist so uncomfortable with it? Doesn't God have the right to require people to believe and to save them on that basis if that's what he wants to do? Unless you want to argue that faith itself is righteousness, then I hardly see what the problem is here. The idea that this is a problem that God requires us to choose to believe in order to be saved, that that's somehow a problem that uh, would put us in the category of teaching a a sort of self-righteousness salvation, The idea put forth by Calvinism that this is a problem, I believe, is entirely rooted in theological presuppositions and not in a plain and straightforward reading of these texts that deal with the nature of faith. So, one objection that I would predict would come at this point in what I'm saying is, but faith is pleasing to God, right? Faith is something that is pleasing to God. So... The verses that would probably be pulled up at this point by the Calvinists would be Romans 8 8 and then Hebrews 11 6. So, Romans 8 8 says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then Hebrews 11 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So, I want to avoid making this, uh, I wanted to avoid making this post like a full-fledged article. And so I did not dive too deep into addressing this specific point or these specific verses. And so I'm not going to do that right now. That might be disappointing to some. I know that's a, a big point to address. Uh, I did want to simply acknowledge that I'm aware of this objection. Uh, and for now, I'll just say that I think once again, this objection stems from a misunderstanding of faith. That is being superimposed into these texts. Uh, so I will, I do plan to cover this. I'll most likely do just a full video on this specific objection. Um, but one thing I did want to point out is that Hebrews 11:6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we, there's contention here about whether or not this is specifically saying faith is is something that directly is what is pleasing to God. Now, I'm not, I, I don't think I'd want to go the line of saying that faith is not pleasing to God. Uh, certainly, in a certain sense, it is pleasing to God. But also, isn't it pleasing to God when a unregenerate unbeliever uh, helps an old lady across the road instead of pushing her into traffic? Isn't there some sense in which God is pleased with the father of the child, even though that father might be an unbeliever who loves and takes care of his child in a compassionate and merciful way? Um, now, maybe you could draw distinctions between there's a certain a certain pleasing of God that would have more to do with fulfilling the righteous requirements of the law, and that might be a bit different than the way this unbelieving father is pleasing to God. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. The point being, though, that faith could be pleasing to God in a certain sense and still not be pleasing to God in the sense that Romans 8.8 says, 8, is uh, saying we can't be if we're in the flesh. So I don't know if that makes sense at all. uh, But again, I don't want to get too far into that because there's just, that I don't want that to be the focus of this video. And I will try to dive into that more in the future. Is faith righteousness? Because that seems to be the ultimate implications of the way that Calvinists deal with faith and the objections they raise concerning it. It would seem to indicate that in their minds, there is some sense in which the nature of faith is that it's its righteousness. It is itself some form of, of righteousness. Uh, so the Bible does have an issue with people's ability to perform works of righteousness. I will grant that the Bible does does indicate, does say that we, left to ourselves, we cannot perform works of righteousness. Uh, and we do not have the ability to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. However, faith is doing precisely neither of these two things. To have faith is not to perform a work of righteousness, and to have faith is not to fulfill any righteous requirement of the law. To think that it is is to simply misunderstand it and to misunderstand what Paul says about it. To have faith is basically nothing more than a simple expression that you can't do either of these things. You can't perform works of righteousness and you cannot fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Faith isn't doing either of those things. It's simply expressing in a sense that you can't do either of those things. So I recently heard a helpful analogy about this used by Leighton Flowers from Soteriology 101. And I think it's really helpful in clarifying this distinction between faith and righteousness. So the Bible tells us that we cannot fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. There's no dispute about that. And that is the problem with the human condition that we are presented with in scripture. This could be likened, so here's the analogy, this could be likened to my inability to climb a gym rope from earth to the moon where performing this action of climbing the gym rope would be equivalent to performing slash fulfilling the requirements of the law. I can't do it. I am unable. I am dead to any ability to climb a gym rope to the moon. So what does God tell me to do? He says, let go of the rope and stop trying to climb it. In other words, believe and trust. I am unable to climb the rope. But he tells me if I simply let go, he will take me to the moon by his own power and do for me what I cannot do for for myself, which is climb the rope. Calvinism would jump in here and say, oh, no, no. God said you can't climb the rope to the moon, so you must not be able to let go of the rope either. But the act of letting go of the rope itself is not related to climbing the rope or an ability to climb it. Letting go of the rope has precisely nothing to do with my ability to climb the the rope. Neither does my ability to let go of the rope equate to me somehow enabling myself with an inner power to climb the rope when I couldn't climb it before. Again, letting go of the rope is simply an expression that I can't climb the rope. I can't do it. Faith is letting go of the rope, not climbing it. So why do Calvinists equate them and act as if they're the same thing? I think that it is entirely irrational, illogical, and unbiblical for the Calvinists to argue that since I do not have the ability within myself to climb a rope to the moon, aka perform righteousness, that therefore proves that I also don't have the ability to let go of the rope or believe. This is nothing more than a fundamental misunderstanding of what faith is and what it is not. Faith is never presented in the Bible as some meritorious power or good work. Instead, it is presented as being in its very nature the absence of meritorious power or good works. Obviously, all analogies break down. And so I want to make clear that with this gym rope analogy, I'm not saying that God is in no way involved in our letting go of the rope, uh, as if to say that we just up and decide to believe entirely on our own, independent from God's working or influence in our lives. In a very real sense, faith is definitely a gift from God, being it is fully reliant on him sending out his life and light-giving word, which gives us both the opportunity and the enabling to believe. The difference between myself and Calvinists is just that I don't assume that in order for something to be classified as a gift, that the receiving of it has to have been decisively caused by the gift giver. As a teenager, my dad granted or gifted me a car that I could drive. That didn't mean that I therefore was decisively caused by my dad to both receive and drive the car in order for that gift to still be a gift so all that to say with the rope analogy I'm not saying God is not involved I'm not saying that we simply up and decide left to ourselves to believe and just you know one day we just decide, hey, I think I'll follow God. I think I'll believe in him. No, it's a, it's a response to something God is already doing. Like Jesus talks about in John, my father is always working. He's always working. Uh, Acts talks about how God has set this up. He set up this world. He's put us in it in such a way that uh, we live in him. In him, we live and move and have our being. And he says he uh something to the extent of he, his hope is that we will all reach out and grasp for him, grasp for him because he's not far from any one of us. And so I think God is working in everybody, not in the same way, not always at the same time, but in some fashion, He does work and move in people's lives. And then and only then can a person believe in response to that light and power, the word uh, that God is providing. So we can't believe by ourselves. I'm not saying we have some kind of power in ourselves to do anything. Uh, Even the faith that we believe with is a response, but it is our response. It is something we decide to do or not. So to wrap this up, what I'm going to do, I just want to pull up uh, a handful of verses, once again, from Paul, where he will identify and uh, define, in a sense, faith and, and what it is. So... Romans 9, 30 through 32, Paul says, Israel who pursued a law of righteousness has not attained it. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. So once again, in Paul's mind, to pursue righteousness by faith is diametrically opposed to pursuing righteousness by works. Romans 4, 3, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted or credited to him as righteousness. If faith itself is some version of righteousness, then why did God need to credit or count Abraham's faith as righteousness? And so I just think the fact that God had to or needed to count Abraham's faith as righteousness demonstrated that Abraham's faith was not in itself righteousness. It had to be looked at by God by grace, as if it were, Abraham could not bring neither, just as we cannot bring a perfect fulfillment of the righteous requirements of law. We cannot bring that to God and put that on the table. We can't provide that. Well, what what can we provide? Well, we can provide letting go of the rope, right? We can't climb it, but we can let go of it. If God asks us to do that, we can come and we can put on the table a big a big pile of I can't do it, a big pile of I'm inadequate and I trust you to do it for me, uh, I think the Bible again is perfectly comfortable with saying we are capable with doing that, with recognizing we can't do the thing that we need to do. And so if faith itself is some version of righteousness, all this to say, I think it simply makes uh, what I like to call a soup sandwich out of much of the New Testament, Uh, it simply doesn't work. Thank you for listening to the Great Light Studios podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, you can find links in the show notes of this episode to our Facebook, YouTube, and other social media accounts. For those of you who may not know, I do rely on monthly financial supporters to continue doing everything I do through this platform. If you are blessed by the resources produced by Great Light Studios and you want to help support me in continuing to do all this, then you can find information about how to in the show notes of this episode. There have been a handful of people that have jumped on to support on a monthly basis in the past month or so, and I just want to say thank you to all of you. Thank you also to Burns Cornerstone Community Church and all the other monthly financial supporters who make it possible for me to do what I'm doing. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast? Positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people.